everyone, and welcome to the Athletics Fantasy Football Ranking Show, the podcast where we go through the most interesting players, players who you could start, who you could sit, feasibly go either way, help you make those tough decisions that could result in the difference between a win or a loss in your fantasy leagues. I'm Michael Beller, joined by our two rankings gurus. You know him, you know him well, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, how you doing on this fine Wednesday? Dude, it's already week three. It's it's kind of crazy to think. I know it sounds like it's only, it's only the third week, but it still feels like I can't believe it's already the third week at the same time. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I could say reality is going well for me. Fantasy sucking for me right now. So uh, <laughs> I, I need to I need to right the ship. Um, no major leaks, but a lot of bad luck so far. So hopefully, hopefully that turns itself around this week for me. Yeah, good news is that uh, week three does feel like it snuck up on us and got here quickly, but still only week three. So plenty of time uh, left for you there, Brandon, to turn things around. Before we get going, just a, a couple of housekeeping items. First, we still got that uh, promotion that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. That's still active going. You can go to theathletic.com slash the ranking show. You'll find yourself a 40% off subscription uh, for a year. You get it all. Fantasy, NFL, college football, MLB playoffs just about to start, NBA, NHL seasons just around the corner, college basketball, WNBA, soccer, whatever your favorite sport or sports are, we've got you covered, and that is an all-you-can-eat buffet of a subscription. Theathletic.com slash the ranking show, 40% off at that link. Also, we have a subscribers-only update to this show every Friday. That is with me and Derek Van Riper. So if you take advantage of that 40% off, you will get access to that show on Fridays. Derek and I usually swing through uh, what's happened in practice over the next couple of days, clean things up, and get you ready for the weekend that is ahead just after that Friday show. As always, Jake's links are Jake's uh, Jake's links. They got me uh, check the link. <laughs> yeah, always, always, like... <laughs> always on the brain. Jake's ranks are live on the site right now. So if we don't touch on a player or a set of players that you were hoping that we would in this show, you can always check the link. Go to Jake's rankings if you are a subscriber and check that out. You can follow Jake on Twitter at All In Kid. You can follow Brandon at Brandon Funston. And with that, we are ready. Oh, hold on! Oh. Don't forget. You talk about exclusive only, exclusive only content for yeah. the uh, subscribers is you can only get half of, to be honest, with D'Angelo Williams and Jake Seeley over. Uh, you get half of it for free and then you get the full show over on The Athletic. So that as well. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, Jake, I was actually uh, listening to uh, that episode a little bit. I wasn't I haven't been able to get through it all because I uh, had some work of my own to do. But uh, <laughs> it's great stuff. And I love the way that you get D'Angelo's name out there really big and loud and then sneak yours in also. Yeah, well, because I'm not even on the logo. <laughs> I mean, that's just the, the truth. But hey, like, all kidding aside, for everybody out there that always wants the players to say like what they think and not these, oh, we're giving 120% and we're going to take it game by game and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's, that's what's so great about the show. Yeah, definitely check that one out. It's something that you will uh, enjoy and another one of the unique offerings we have. Almost 100 podcasts now here at The Athletic. And now... We are ready to get into the meat of the ranking show. We're going to start at the running back position, one of the most important positions, of course. You can consider these guys as flex plays as well. And again, we are going to be focusing on the start-sit border, uh, guys who could realistically start or sit depending on your roster composition. Guys, I think we got to start with the most confounding backfield in the league. That is in San Francisco. Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson. Last week, all three of these guys went for at least 13 points in – or 14 points, excuse me, in PPR leagues. That's not going to happen every week, of course, but it speaks to uh, the confusing nature of this backfield. You guys have the three of them ranked in the same order this week. Breida, number one among these running backs. Mostert, number two. Wilson, number three, uh, Brita, number or running back 20 for Jake, running back 25 for Brandon. Uh, looking at this backfield as a whole, Jake, start with you. Uh, how are you playing? How, how are you attacking this depending on who you own? Uh, I'm still going Brita, obviously. Uh, I have him the highest and then Mostert and then obviously Wilson. But the reports today about Wilson getting the majority of the goal line work going forward still that's the concerning thing. Look, this is Shanahan. This is the joke that everybody's made, including myself, and said the Shanahanigans are back again because it's the truth. Is we go back to Mike Shanahan, and now we have Kyle Shanahan, and we already knew that with him is when the band comes to the backfield is you just never know what's going to happen in that backfield and who he's going to use and what role. And he can say it's Jeff Wilson as of now and then. 
maybe we get to that game and Breda actually gets those carries, or maybe it's Mostert. Maybe he uses Mostert 60% of the time. You just don't know. And we joked about it before the season started with the whole Tevin Coleman and the depth chart and all that type of stuff and Pettis at the wide receiver position. He lies. He's one of the biggest liars of all coaches right up there with Belichick. So I'm going to go with Breda because he's the lead option. I think part of the reason he didn't see as many touches last week was because they were in control at the same time. If it was Mostert again, that wouldn't surprise me. If it was Jeff Wilson getting all of the goal line carries and Breda is the old school LaShawn McCoy where you use him between the 20s and he gets vultured all the time, that wouldn't surprise me either. It's just an unfortunate situation, but I'm going to keep him in that order at least for one more week. Yeah, I'll just uh, you know, I'll just jump in on this. I, I will say the one thing that's nice, the Shanahanigans. I, I'm fully uh, you know in line with you, Jake. With that, it's annoying. Uh, you know, these convoluted backfields are tough. But I will say, I mean, Shanahan's been running a two-back backfield lucratively for a long time. I mean, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman were top 20 running backs. And you look at San Francisco, 66 running back carries is is easily the leading uh, backfield in terms of carry workload so far. This is a good offensive line. This backfield can support two really good running backs. And I like Raheem Mostert. Uh, for that reason, in the flex role, I think he's, you know, shaping up to kind of be the spelling Matt Breida and also, you know, having some run in the passing game. And Breida, uh, he's, you know, he's the most dynamic talent. He's probably going to be the, the touch leader. The problem, as Jake mentioned, is Jeff Wilson in this in this red zone role. Matt Breida, they've scored 72 points. Matt Breida has not touched the ball in the red zone this season. I don't think that's an yeah. accident. I think the, the roles are defined. So Breida's going to have to get his, you know, 100 yards between the 20s. And I don't discount him doing that this week against Pittsburgh. They haven't been good against running backs. Uh, San Francisco keeps finding these these opponents that are have been pretty soft to the running back position. So while that's happening, they're in a, they're in a good place to take advantage of it. Yeah, 2-0 Niners against the 0-2 Steelers. Probably not too many people predicted that would be the case here in Week 3. And the Niners, 6.5-point favorites as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon looking ahead to that game. Uh, Joe Mixon, the next guy who I want to talk about, you guys. Uh, you guys both have him as a low-end RB2. Jake, you're at 19 on him. Brandon, you're at 21. I think realistically, if you've got Joe Mixon, you're still starting him. Certainly roster construction probably doesn't allow you to uh, find three, four, however many it would take uh, guys better than him on your team. Bengals are at the Bills, uh, six-point underdogs, an implied team total of just 19 points. Brandon, are you trusting a rebound here for Joe Mixon against the Bills? No, not at all. I could, I, you know, I, I'm fighting with my brain right now. This is, you know, a guy that's had, <laughs> had some health issues so far who has struggled uh, production wise and who has a pretty tough matchup on the road against Buffalo. Like those are all things that, uh, you know, would have me sliding him down. And, but then you have the trust, the talent, this guy from a, just an all around, you know, bell cow kind of talent is, is elite. And so this is kind of, you know, this I was like running back six or seven on him going into the season. I was very high. So this this for me is kind of splitting the difference. Like I could sort of like justify moving him down outside the top 30. Um, but I like the talent too much. And I think he has he's one of those guys that has the ability to overcome a bad situation. So I've moved him up. If I have Joe Mixon, I'd have to have a you know pretty good stable of running backs to completely, you know, have him out of the, even the flex option mix. Yeah, I, th I think the biggest concern here is, is he 100%. If, if, like, I understand the matchup's concerning on top of it, but if we were talking about 100% Joe Mixon, we wouldn't care what the matchup was. Even no matter, even if he, if knew he was, was 100%, where would you right. rank him? At, see if I would he'd be a fringe RB1. Most week, he's, he's going to be inside the top 10 and a locked in RB1 in this matchup you probably knock them to the conversation of RB one. So definitely top 15, but probably in the conversation like, Hey, if you want to draft, if you ever draft them, <laughs> we're going way back there. As you can see where my brain is. If you wanted to put them at like 13 or 14, it's going to be like, all right, that's fine. Or whatever. You're still starting them. The only concern here is if he's not hundred percent, what if he comes out like last week where he, the, the early part of that game, we felt good though, because the Bengals came out and used them a lot early, including goal line carries, but then they went away from them because they got down and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, maybe we're speculating, but maybe they're like, hey, why not get him more? Why would we get him more banged up if he's not 100%? So if that happens again, that's the concern with the matchup being part of the concern there. So I don't feel great about this. I, I kind of almost feel like you have to start him, but 
maybe you got some running back depth and you don't. I mean, if I could find a put it this way, if I could find a way to get him out of my lineup, I'd like to. And who would it? Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, Yeah. and crazy (laughs) thing to be saying about Joe Mixon just a couple of weeks into the season, but the numbers just for this week, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like we said, six point underdogs, nineteen point implied total at Buffalo, but yeah, the numbers have been ugly. Seventeen carries, twenty-seven yards, uh, five catches on eight targets for seventeen yards for Joe Mixon. If he's pathetic again this week, please buy low. (laughs) All it would be all over that. That's something else you can get uh, in Jake's rankings column. He's got some some buys, some sells, so definitely something you're going to want to check out uh, no matter who we touch on for the rest of this uh, podcast. Let's move on to our next running back. Uh, when I put this together, uh, we did not yet have a Kansas City practice report. Uh, now we do, and we know that Damian Williams uh, did not practice uh, still, so that's going to be something that we need to watch all week long. He's dealing with a knee injury. The Chiefs and Ravens meeting for uh, what's one of our first Big early season clashes. Chiefs favored by six and a half points at home, a 30.75 implied total for this team. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. I guess right now we're just going to assume that Dam- that we know by you know Friday or Saturday that Damian Williams is good to go. Uh, how are you treating him given what we've seen from this passing game, given LaShawn McCoy's involvement in the offense? He too dealing with uh, an injury of his own, an ankle injury. So uh, he's someone else that we have to keep an eye on. But how are you treating Damian Williams both this week and in general? And again, this week, assuming that we know uh, by this weekend that he's going to give it a go. So I'm going to say the same thing I tweeted, not to be like, oh, look, I tweeted. But this is the truth. I made the joke saying the Chiefs are like, who cares about the run? Forget established the run. They don't even care about it. They're not even going to try. And I said, but that's a good thing for Damian Williams, because who's getting the use in the passing game? Damian Williams, not LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, the concern is he's getting more carries. And that looks like it would be if they're both healthy going forward. Sean McCoy is going to get more carries. And as we wondered at the beginning of the season, when they brought in LaShawn McCoy, is now we, for the first time in a while, have a backfield that's kind of split down the middle, which is not normal for Andy Reid. But the good news is that if you're telling me who's the pass-catching option, and granted, he's not going to be an RB1, I would still want whoever that is, whether it's Damian Williams or, if he's out, Darwin Thompson. And that's why I told a lot of people, if LaShawn McCoy is playing and Damian Williams is out, I'm going to take a flyer on Darwin Thompson because he's going to step into the Damian Williams role, which is the same thing as if LaShawn McCoy was out. That would be a Daryl Williams role, and Darwin Thompson would fill the Damian Williams role. So basically, I want Damian or Darwin. I don't want Daryl or LaShawn McCoy, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not sure I want any of them. I like the matchup <laughs> terrible. Uh, you know, you got the Ravens. They're giving up 1.8 yards per carry to running backs. Uh, look, at this is, this is a, you know, we can trust the Raiders are a legit good run defense only two weeks into the season because they've never not been a good run defense. Uh, it's what they do. It's in their DNA. I, I agree that if you're going to get any production here in this backfield, it's going to come in the passing game. Um, but, you know, that just makes Damian Williams, who we don't know how healthy he's going to be, someone like a Chris Thompson or a, you know, or a Tariq Cohen or something where, you know, I'm ranking him 30th because I think that's that's where I have those guys, you know, an upside, maybe a James white is one of those kind of one of those backs that I move a little bit higher, but typically, um, you know, I, I, it's a little bit too much of a, of a dice roll. Uh, if you can't kind of have a baseline of, you know, some, what you think is going to be a decent amount of, of rushing yards. So for me, I think he's risky in the mid twenties. Honestly, I have him ranked 30th, but if I'm a fantasy owner, there's so so much convolution with this with this backfield and with the health and who might play and and oh by the way it's the Baltimore Ravens I'm just probably trying to backpedal and get out of it completely. Yeah, Darwin Thompson definitely an interesting guy. If he's sitting out there uh, for a free now uh, in most leagues, as we're uh, recording this on a Wednesday, most waiver runs have happened, so uh, might not be a bad guy to grab. Keep an eye on Damian Williams and Lashawn McCoy for that matter. Keep an eye on their practice reports to see if they're going to suit up for what should be a really fun game in Kansas City with the Ravens in town this weekend. Next guy we move on to uh, really a, a pair of guys uh, in Atlanta. Like it's been ugly for Devontae Freeman this season. 19 carries for 41 yards. He does have eight targets, turned that into six catches for 54 yards. But you know, Devontae needs to get a lot of his work done with his uh, on the ground rather than through the air, and it just hasn't been there uh, for him this week. Ito Smith, one of Jake's uh, week three sleepers, in fact. We're going to start with Brandon, let him take this one uh, away. You've got uh, Devontae Freeman as running back 22, so still buying him as a low-end RB2 this week. Yeah, it's a good matchup. You look at Indy, they've been generous so far. They're giving up 5.5 yards per carry. Um, 
I, look, I, I'm I'm hearing a lot of Devontae Freeman looks old. He looks dead. He, I, I didn't see that. I watched every play of that Sunday night game. I just didn't see him have a whole lot of daylight. Well, and, and you're I kinda, old and I dead. Kinda, <laughs> 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 look, I, I, so I dug into the numbers and, you know, he's gotten most of his carries on first and 10 with such an obvious running down. And everybody's like, oh, Edo Smith should be the guy. Well, Edo Smith got most of his numbers in shotgun in, uh, you know, second and third down situations where the defense is expecting pass a little bit more. It's been, you know, it's been kind of a, a sugar-coated opportunities on the ground for Ito Smith. I look at Ito Smith was a guy that we were all targeting as as having his his job security in question. I mean, the, we're talking about Brian Hill and and Kadri Ellison, all these guys that could you know become the backup to Devonta Freeman. I just think they need to get a little bit more creative in how they're using Devonta Freeman. He actually is his best stuff has been through the air so far. So I just think this is an opportunity against a, uh, you know, a weaker opponent. He's had two tough games against good run defenses. This is an opportunity here for Freeman. I think he'll look a lot younger and a lot spryer this week. Spryer. Uh, that, look, spryer. I, I, I'm a, it might be a I, word. <laughs> I, no, it is. I just, I was more so the fact that I don't know if Spry is in his vocabulary anymore. I, I honestly, Man, I, I, we were watching different had, games. The guy's like 27. I, he's had a year off. I think he's, I think he's in fine No, shape. I, I think he's in a different, I think he's in the, uh, taken too much at this point of his career already, which kind of, you know, a completely different show and a completely different conversation is why you can get behind running backs and players in general always going for more money possible because we take the best years of the running backs careers and then just throw them out the window up. Uh, I honestly, again, look, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think maybe this is one of those situations where this is here, here's a good way to put it. You ever watch an NFL draft day and you see some people like certain players and some people say, I don't see it. And some people like nobody agrees on everybody is we just don't agree. I don't, we didn't see the same thing. I saw a uh, Devonte Freeman who's no longer what he used to be. And I, you know, I pulled up some numbers too. And it's not like Ito Smith's to your point or even that much better overall it's not like there's a stark difference between the yards after contact but Devonta Freeman was one of the worst if through the first two weeks two weeks in the league and that's concerning for me is the fact that I just don't think I don't know that he has much left and I'm not saying that this is Edo Smith's backfield but I think that it could be a 50-50 split going forward and at this point I think he's got more explosiveness and maybe they even start to give him some and say like maybe let's find out if it is Edo Smith is our answer or to your point what you just said, Brandon, is maybe they try Ido Smith, find out he's not the answer, and then turn to Brian Hill, find out he's not the answer, turn to Olsen. Like, that's also my concern, too, is maybe they're thinking forward and saying, let's find out if we have a future running back on the squad, or maybe next year we go into the draft or free agency and bring somebody else in, because either way, Freeman is toast. Like, I, I feel like Freeman's done. Well, Kareem Hunt will be starting for Atlanta next year. So <laughs> next year? Go. Oh, my yeah. God. Can, can you okay. sign me up for that right now? <laughs> I know, right? That's a perfect landing spot. Yeah, an interesting game between a couple of one-on-one -on -one teams, Falcons and Colts uh, in Indianapolis. Colts minus two and a half, an implied total for Atlanta of 22.25. So Devontae Freeman starters got to hope that one of those touchdowns goes in his direction. On the other side of that Sunday night game was Miles Sanders. Didn't find a ton of room, just like he didn't find a ton of room in week one. A little bit of a difference of opinion on Miles Sanders for you guys. Jake, you've got him as running back 40 Brandon as running back 27. This is a game in Philadelphia with the Eagles hosting the Lions, laying a touchdown. Jake, I will let you start and make the case against Miles Sanders. Oh, it's, it's so cruel, too, because you're making me make the case against somebody that I've told everybody the entire year. One, you have to either draft and be patient, or two, go buy him low. And I, I, please go buy him low right now. If he has a bat, another bad game, which I think is going to be the case, go buy low after this week because that's what I wanted to have happen. The problem is I still don't think the transition is quite here yet. I don't know how Doug Peterson doesn't see eight for 18, doesn't watch Jordan Howard and say, let's give Miles Sanders the ball more. But Miles Sanders hasn't been spectacular yet. And I think maybe that's part of the problem. You see him get to the edge and struggle to turn the corner upfield. Similarly, actually, DeMarco Murray when he was on this team. Maybe, like DeMarco Murray, they need to use him differently. So, again, that was a different offense, a different regime. But I draw the comparison for the fact that maybe they're not using Miles Sanders in the best way, because if you look at Miles Sanders in college, people kind of glossed over how good he was because he replaced some guy named Saquon Barkley. He's still a very talented running back, and I do think he can get to the point where this is 50, 55, maybe even 60 percent his workload. And if so, you're looking at an RB2. I just don't know that it happens this week. I'm, I think it's going to take at least one more week. 
Well, okay, so my I'm taking a leap of faith here, and and you know I get. I mean, you you're right. Like, I legitimately, I know, do. right? Like, like I just <laughs> you gotta you gotta expect that at some point it's gonna happen for him, and I I think you know Doug Peterson's looking at what's happened in the first two weeks. This is the fifth least productive fantasy backfield. Like they're getting nothing out of their backfield. What's going on? Well, I'm parsing out all these jobs, you know, to Sproles and, and Howard. I'm letting nobody get a rhythm. Uh, my most talented guy is getting 10 carries a week and we're getting nothing done. So I think it's one of those introspective weeks for this, for this team where they say, okay, we need to get something going in the running game. We're at home. Uh, we got a, we got an opponent that so far, you know, people have been able to run against uh let's take advantage of that we have a bunch of injuries in the passing game let's focus on getting this running game going and that's just that's just me you know some of these rankings you have to take a leap of faith as opposed to just follow along what you've seen the last couple weeks and so i'm this is where i'm gonna do it it's probably because like jake i have this inner inner liking of miles sanders that i can't shake you know even when i've seen a couple of bad weeks out of yeah, Brandon, you hit on a key point. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, both going to be out for the Eagles this week against the Lions. A big implied total, 27.25 uh, points for the Eagles. And Miles Sanders not yet getting that 55 or 60% share, but still a plurality of the running back snaps playing 46% snap rate through the first two weeks. All right, guys, one more thing at the running back position. Someone to take a chance on. Someone who's a little bit of a long-range play who you think is worth taking a chance on. Brandon, let's start with you. Oh, I was just kind of looking at it for this week. Like, I think Rex Burkhead, Burkhead's a guy that's, you know, down in ownership. I think he's pretty safe if you have to plug somebody in on a flex spot. Uh, I think his, you know, his baseline is kind of 60, 70 yards. He's getting around 10, 12 touches. I like the matchup against the Jets. I can see him getting, you know, in that dozen touch range. Um, so I think he's kind of a safe plug and play that a guy that you'll find down the running back ranks a bit. Mm, I, I I don't even want to say his name because as I picked him up in a few leagues, I st- I did exactly what that noise that I just made. I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing it. But Frank Gore, it's just look, Devin Singletary is banged up. He didn't even practice today. Even if he does, they're giving Frank Gore all the carries. Singletary looks good in the small amount that he gets, and he's the passing option. But if the Bills are going to keep giving it to Frank Gore. I mean, and this defense is strong enough where I assume they're winning this game and probably could be in control maybe even by the third, fourth quarter. It's Frank Gore is going to be usable, at least as a flex option. I hate to do it because it's the most boring flex option you could ever find, but it's productive. He was RB2 last week. Yep, in a game where the Bills controlled 19 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. So it definitely makes sense as a guy to take a chance on. Other guys to keep uh, in mind as you're uh, looking at practice reports this week, we already said Singletary with the hamstring, McCoy with the ankle, Damian Williams with the knee, James Conner has a knee injury. Sounds like he's going to be able to go. Same for Josh Jacobs. He has a groin injury. Definitely keep an eye on that, but it sounds like both of those guys are going to be able to give it a go here in week three. We move now over to the wide receiver position. Uh, last week, we started with Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson because no Sam Darnold. What do we expect with Trevor Simeon? Uh, it got pretty ugly for the Jets, but not because of Trevor Simeon. He went down with a season-ending injury very early in that loss to the Cleveland Browns. Luke Falk took over. Luke Falk will start in week three. So again, we have to start with Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. Jake, I'm going to let you take the lead here because you are much higher on these Jets receivers than Brandon is for week three. Maybe you can explain why huge underdogs, 22 and a half point dogs to the Patriots in New England. Uh, I think that's why maybe I have to, again, this is, this is why you continue to hashtag check the link and maybe they fall. I'm going to continue to update the projections. And what happens is it's the first run on Tuesday. I would love to hold my projections until Wednesday night, but because <laughs> there's more data for like, you don't have, and I'm not saying this as an excuse. I'm just telling everybody, this is why the rankings change is because we don't have all the data from week two to plug in, to adjust the projections. And as everybody has known that I've said before, I go my projections first, then I analyze a little bit by myself, and I go back about two or three times, and that's where you get the final result. The initial run projections have very little week two or whatever the previous week data was inside of, like, it's using a lot of pulled old data, so the, the update isn't there yet. So all that being said, they might slide back. Even if they do, I still think I'm going to be higher than 53 and 48, which is where, as you mentioned, Brandon has them, because... 
what you just said. I don't like the matchup as much for Anderson because he's getting one of the actually so far the highest graded corner in Gilmore in pro football focus so far this year, who is somebody who shut down everybody last year as well. But all that being said is the Jets, even with Simeon, they're going to have to pass like the Patriots are going to be up early. Let's be realistic. And they probably are not because of Simeon because of uh, Falk. Falk. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to be like there's going to be turnovers. There's going to be issues. There's going to be a hell of a lot of touches for Le'Veon Bell. But unless the Jets just fold up shop at halftime, they're going to have to pass to their heart's content in the second half if they want any prayer at having a shot at this game. So unless they just roll over and die and just say, you know what, we'll just give the ball to Le'Veon Bell 35 times and just take this one on the chin. I see them passing a lot in this game. I see him passing a lot too. I see him passing a lot to Le'Veon Bell. I have ranked very high this week. Um, you know, I looked at Falk's 20 completions last week, 12 were to running backs, and he doesn't have a big arm. And I thought he did as well as you could expect uh, a third string quarterback to do being shoved into action. But I think there's a reasonable chance that the Jets don't score in this game. Like the that's this New England secondary has been great. And I just, they you know, trade I, for I Eli. Yeah, they should. They should. That'd be. I'm that serious. Be nice he gets to stay in the Oracle, New Jersey. Down, exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually moved Crowder up into the 40s range. I can never get close to 30 on these guys, though, or even upper 30s with them. I just think this is a seven to 10 point game at best for the Jets. I think this is uh, this 22 and a half. I would probably take the over. Um, and I just don't have a lot of faith in Luke Falk's Ooh, wait, the arm. over on the spread, not the over on the score, right? Well, I would take, uh, yeah, I would take the Patriots uh, covering. So, uh, well, but, yeah, because I was going to say, what is the over under like 48 or something like that? And I'm sure Mike and Chris are going to talk about it on their show is the fact that if you're taking that, if you don't think the Jets are going to score, do you think the Patriots are going to score 49 points? Yeah, Patriots. So, so that's a legitimate yeah, question to ask you. I do. I think they could. No, I, oh, I, I think oh, the, the over. Yeah, I don't know if, if they're not going to score. Yeah. Uh, but, anyways, I just, uh, I think this is going to be a game that the Jets are going to want to forget, but I do think Le'Veon Bell is going to be, uh, you know, pushing <laughs> potentially a season high workload in this one. Uh, for the record, 43 and a half is the uh, over under. And I do think you're going to need the Patriots to do, get about 40 of that, if not more <laughs> an implied team total for the Jets of 11. And it's not even the lowest on the board this week. That belongs to the Dallas Cowboys, who are also catching three uh, touchdowns in their game. Or excuse me, to the Dolphins, who are catching uh, three touchdowns in their game at Dallas against the Cowboys. So just to clean this up, uh, last week, Jameson Crowder, uh, four grabs on six targets for 40 yards. Robbie Anderson, also four grabs, also six targets, 81 yards. We'll see what happens to them against the Patriots here on Sunday. We move on now to Marquise Brown, one of the bright surprises of the early season in Baltimore. You guys are of one mind on this guy, basically. Jake at 33 among wide receivers. Brandon, you are at 28. Uh, an implied team total for the uh, Ravens of 24.25 at Kansas City this week. Brandon, you start us off on this one. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, top 30 receiver for you this week. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I'm trying to like pump the brakes on this guy and telling people that he's a rookie receiver and you're going to get a roller coaster up and down the nature of his game, you know, is he's a vertical stretch guy, but you know, as soon as you start saying that, then he goes out and gets 13 targets and and eight catches and and then the next week you get Kansas City, you know, in a massive over under and Okay, we're going to pump the brakes on Marquise Brown at some point, but not this week. Like, this week is still a good Marquise Brown game. Uh, and last week, like I said, it showed a little bit more of uh, a guy that, you know, can be someone that Lamar Jackson can go to for more than just vertical stretch routes. Uh, he's he's a guy that, uh, you know, sort of can do it all. But the nature of this Baltimore team is going to be when they get in a situation where they can just run the ball and play good defense, say, well, and they'll be more conservative, but uh, that's not going to happen this week. So uh, you got to, if you, if, if you pick that Marquise Brown, this is going to be one of your better times to play him. Yeah. It's the thing is Marquise Brown. We talked about him last week. I'm going to continue to see the same thing. It was Deshaun Jackson. And it's not because size wise, and it's like an easy comp. The, the truth is the comparison is real. I mean, and it's Deshaun Jackson in his prime, and that's what you like about him. But Deshaun Jackson, even in his prime, had about six weeks where he got frustrated. There will be down weeks. There are going to be down weeks where, you know, you look at the box score. I almost said Deshaun Jackson, and you see Marquise Brown, and you're like, I can't believe he only got me two catches for 27 yards. So it's just what's going to happen. But at the same time, you just roll him out there every single week. Like, I would call him officially a must-start. And a must-start is a wide receiver three, but 
you can't bench him because just like Deshaun Jackson is prime, he might go out against the worst matchup. Like if they were facing the Bears this week, he might go out against the Bears and get two catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. And next week, he might face the Giants and just come up goose egg because maybe they run a ton early. There's just there's no way to tell when or which the games are going to be kind of like a Jared Cook almost, so to speak, is the matchups are almost non-existent in your real opinion because the ability is such a high ability of his explosiveness. So I'm starting him every single week. But all that being said, as you just mentioned, the matchup definitely does help this week, too. Yeah, not playing a huge snap rate just yet, and that might not change all season. 65% last week. We can sort of throw out week one with that being uh, such a laugher against Miami. Uh, played 18% of Baltimore snaps for a total snap rate of 42% for Marquise Brown, but definitely someone who is intriguing. I think almost anyone in that Baltimore-Kansas City game is going to be startable, certainly anyone with a sizable role in his offense. Uh, Jake, you mentioned the Bears as a tough matchup. That's where we move. We stick with a rookie wide receiver, that being Terry McLaurin of Washington. Again, you guys are pretty close on this one. Uh, The difference is negligible. Jake, a little higher at 36. Brandon, you've got him at 43. McLaurin has been excellent, uh, scored touchdowns in both of his first two career games, has played uh, more than 90% of uh, the snaps in both of Washington's games this season. Uh, They are at home, excuse me, not in Chicago, but at home, hosting the Bears on Monday Night Football. Brandon, down at 43, is that because of the matchup for McLaurin? Yeah, it's it's absolutely because of the matchup. Uh, look, you're looking at the Bears giving up 12 points a game. Um, they are who we thought we, they, they would be uh, on the defensive side. So um, I'm worried about the matchup only. I think McLaurin's, you know, uh, I think Jake and I have talked about him. And, Michael, we've talked about him on our waiver wire show. I, I, I love the talent. I liked him coming out of Ohio State. And I think he actually, I mean, I think at this point, He's the odds-on favorite to lead this team in receiving. I think it's totally legit. I just, I think with this team, uh, it's fair to be matchup biased, especially when you're playing a defense as tough as and staunch as the Chicago Bears. I'm actually not quite as worried matchup-wise because two, I'm going a little bit deeper into the matchup for the fact that, and I'm not saying like, Brandon's not and he's wrong or anything like that. But and maybe I'm overestimating the fact that they move Terry McLaurin around. But even if they don't, the one thing is the Bears for there's a lot of teams where corners shadow corners will play both sides. The one thing the Bears do, Kyle Fuller specifically plays the left. Prince of Mukamura specifically plays the right. Ninety nine percent for both of them. They play their sides of the field. The thing is, Terry McLaurin lines up on the left, which would be a Mukamura side 50 some odd percent of the time. So even so, that's not a huge number. It's more because he also 20% of the time in the slot, 20-something percent of the time. Like, they move him around, but the majority of where he does play is more Mukamura than Fuller. I'd rather see him get Mukamura than Fuller. And again, that's just the corners that's kind of dropping it down to only one portion of the Bears defense, which is a very, very scary defense. I mean, the defense could just be all over Case Keenum the entire game, and it's not going to matter where Terry McLaurin... doesn't even matter if Terry McLaurin lines up uncovered because Case Keenum <laughs> might not be able to get him the ball. But all I'm saying is that's why I still have him there is because the snap share is the high, one of the highest for all receivers in the league, period. The volume is one of the highest for all receivers in the league, period. That's just where I'm banking on the volume being able to offset at least a wide receiver three value. And maybe I'm a little bit too excited too early on him. But it may, for everybody out there, maybe I'm clouded because I'm somebody that was high on him to begin with. Yeah, Trent Williams' absence is going to show up in every game for Washington, certainly going to show up against Chicago with the way they can put heat on the quarterback. An 18.75 uh, implied total for Washington in that game at home against the Bears. We stick in that NFC East, move on to a receiver who's taking on a much larger role this week than he had a week ago at this time. It's Nelson Aguilar. We talked about already the injuries to the Eagles receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, both going to be out this week for the team. That thrust Nelson Aguilar into a much larger role, had a key drop at the end of the loss to Atlanta last week, but still put up big numbers, eight grabs on 11 targets, 107 yards, one touchdown, played 96% of the snaps. Jake, you've got him at wide receiver 37. So you're buying Aguilar as a wide receiver three this week. Just because of the volume of what you said. My biggest concern, and I said this on our throwback podcast my biggest concern is if they push him outside because one 
I don't like Nelson Aguilar outside because I just don't think his skill set is built for that. And the concern is Matt Collins was in the slot late in that game. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is very similar to Juju Smith-Schuster in that big slot type of wide receiver role. So my concern, one, is that. Two, if they put him outside, he gets Darius Slay, which Darius Slay is still to this day one of the most underrated corners in the NFL. So this is hoping for volume. I'm ranking him there for the volume. I'm ranking there for the fact, again, assuming Doug Peterson is smart, although, you know, we joke about it all the time saying we know better than the coach. The coach, uh, you know, there's the whole talk about Lamar Miller getting more use when he was with the Dolphins back in the day. So all that being said is I hope Nelson Aguilar is not out there for 80, 90 percent of the snaps. If he is, this ranking is going to be too high. I don't think he's going to be, but I can see it being wrong. But but I'm going off pure volume, and I'm going off pure, I don't expect him to be outside the entire game. Well, so Jake, I will say that I was expecting him uh, to be pushed outside <laughs> at least a decent amount in this game. And I was worried about Darius Slay. Well, I fair. also don't like the player at all. Like, is it called a drop if you hold your hands up and the ball goes through your hands without <laughs> touching your fingers? Like, that's what Half happened Dante on that- Moncrief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he would have won that game. He's yeah. gonna catch that ball. Uh, he's. I don't like the player. I. I don't like what I think is going to happen, which I believe he will be pushed outside uh, and run into Darius Slay. And that guy's for real, as you mentioned. He is a legit cover corner, and they will. He's the guy that if he's pushed outside, they're gonna make sure Darius Slay is on him because he's the guy. I guess you would worry about most because he has the most experience in this offense uh so that's where i'm i'm going um and i might be too low if if he is in the slot i agree there's going to be volume i think you'll see a, a decent amount of targets and uh, i'll probably be too low so maybe the maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle yeah i'm not uh, bitter at all about that drop uh all you know in my home <laughs> league i've got carson wentz i lost by uh, about uh, a quarter of a point could have used that touchdown a little bit, but uh, no, not uh, not seeing that drop in my sleep whatsoever from Nelson Aguilar. Eagles, uh, touchdown favorites at home against the Detroit Lions, 27.25 point implied total there for the Eagles. So definitely could be some points on the board for the home team. Last group of guys to look at are the Chiefs receivers. Uh, we know Sammy Watkins is going to be in your lineups. Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman both came through with big games against the Raiders last week. You guys are Almost identical on these two. Uh, Jake, you've got Robinson at 43, Brandon at 44. Jake's got Hardman or uh, Hardman at 44. Brandon, you've got him at 45. So for all intents and purposes, identical on these two guys. Why does Brandon hate him? <laughs> right? It's cra- he's a crazy man, this guy. Um, I guess <laughs> the question here, uh, and Brandon, we'll start with you. How seriously can we take what these two guys did last week for as long as Tyreek Hill is out? Very seriously. I think what Jake and I are representing is who knows who is going to be the standout from week to week. I don't know that um, you can say, well, Demarcus Robinson had the better numbers last week. Uh, He was targeted more, and therefore he is going to be the guy that consistently beats Nicole Hardman. As we know, Nicole Hardman had a touchdown, but he had one called back. He would have had a huge day as well. I think um, I, I see these guys similarly. And I think it's kind of a flip of the coin deciding who might have the better day. It's a tough offense or it's a tough defense going against the Ravens. So I think we're both probably down a little bit because of that matchup. Um, But I think, and I'll, I'm speaking for Jake. I'll let him speak for himself right now. But I think this just represents that it's going to be really hard to differentiate uh, who's going to be the standout of these two after Watkins and Kelsey in the passing game. The one thing I'll go and the reason Demarcus Robinson's higher is because he had the snap count and he plays outside and, you know, that's really what it is. Not that Michael Harmons was that much further behind, but it was, it was, I think, 13, 12 or 13 snaps fewer than Demarcus Robinson. So that's part of it. Demarcus Robinson is the red zone threat. Demarcus Robinson is a talent that we've been wanting to break out for a while and it's only one game, but at Brandon's point. I don't have a problem starting all three every single week, even if I was on the same team, because <laughs> there's a good chance that they'll finish as a wide receiver one, two, and three. You just don't know who it's going to be every single week. And that's the thing is, you know, we, there's another one we talked about on the throwback pod is that somebody's going to disappoint probably every single week. But the disappointment I put in quotations that you can't see because the disappointment's going to be probably still wide receiver three value. Like Sammy Watkins was a disappointment as a wide receiver three last week. If you go into that game and you tell me beforehand, you're saying, hey, Jake, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, and Sammy Watson is going to get 13 of those targets. I'd be like, top 10 wide receiver, maybe even number one. And then he disappointed because it just wasn't his day. 
So that's my point in saying the fact that just roll them all out there. If you went and picked them up, just plug them into your lineup. Yeah, no bad way to get involved with this Kansas City offense, playing a Baltimore defense that we all respect and still an implied team total of 30.75, six and a half point favorites playing at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Guys, we'll wrap up the position the same way we did at running back, same way we're going to do at quarterback and tight end. Someone to take a chance on. Jake, we'll start with you. Wide receiver that you're taking a chance on in week three. Oh, it's I don't even think you should be taking a chance on it. Well, so I'll give you a second one. I, I was going to say <laughs> don't DK do Metcalf. it because you're going to take my guy and then I'm going to DK Metcalf. Ooh, OK, is that your guy? You can go with that. Yeah, no, go, go no, I was going to go to another one because that one's kind of at this point. He shouldn't even he shouldn't just he shouldn't even be on benches right, yeah, at this right. point. Yep. Yeah. So but which, by the way, you edited out the periods. Is it official? Is he officially no periods in his DK or is there a period? Is he, is he like CC Sabathia? You took the periods out. I'm asking you. I took the periods brain. out because I haven't seen an official place like, you know. So on oh, NFL.com, it's with the periods on the Seahawks website. It's without. So I'm a, I, we'll go with the Seahawks website. No periods in DK Metcalf. <laughs> I feel like um, they would be they would be more in line with what's correct. So, yes. So I will go to my next one, and it's not a one-week reaction. This is another one. Again, maybe my opinion is clouded because I was high on him coming out of college. I actually had him as my fifth wide receiver out of one of these worst receiver draft classes ever, 2015. So it's not saying much. Oh, you're taking my was, guy. You're going to take my Devin guy. Devin Smith? Well, because yes, I like Devin that's, Smith. That's, and, <laughs> you guys, well, you guys like love him. Ohio State. My God. No, well, here's the thing. What I said, I'll go say what I said about him out of college, and I'll, I'll I'll do it short version so Brandon can speak more to him. I said he could be Mike Wallace, and if you remember Mike Wallace, big play, but a little bit more than just a big play. But the biggest situation here is it's the matchup, and if you want the safe points, Randall Cobb is the pick. But if you want to just shoot for upside, which at that position, wide receiver three or four on my team, I'm shooting upside. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I agree. Mike Wallace is a pretty good comp. I mean. He was a polished vertical threat coming out of Ohio State, and by vertical yes. threat, that guy could fly. Uh, you know, he he just looked like like I thought if he landed in the right situation, he would be kind of one of those rare rookie immediate contributors. And he didn't land in the right situation. Then he had the ACL injury, and he's taken a long time to get back around. But he's landed back in a good situation with Michael Gallup out against Miami. So yeah, I think that's a good one. I DK Metcalf. To your point, I think we're at a point now where you kind of have to be thinking about him always in a wide receiver three flex kind of capacity at this point going forward. I'd throw Debo Samuel out as another uh, really good play this week uh, among rookie wide receivers uh, with a good matchup. So, But down with the deep play on Devin Smith for sure. And we were all down on the rookies coming into the season, but uh, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, uh, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, rookie uh, class surprising us a little bit in the early going of the 2019 season. A couple of injuries to keep an eye on uh, as the week progresses. Sterling Shepard trying to come back from a concussion. Tyrell Williams dealing with a hip pointer. Sounds like Williams is going to be able to go. Uh, not quite sure on Shepard just yet. So make sure you check their practice reports as the week goes on. We move now to the quarterback position. We're going to start with one of the biggest disappointments at the quarterback position to this point of the season. It's Jameis Winston. You guys both have him as low-end QB1s. Jake, you're at QB10. Brandon at QB11. Uh, Buccaneers hosting the Giants. Six-and-a-half-point favorites this week. Daniel Jones makes his debut on the other side. But, Brandon, why are you still buying Jameis Winston as a starter here in Week 3? Well, it's been a can't-fail matchup you know, against the Giants so far. Um, and I think I just can't, I just can't give up on the surrounding talent, the head coach and, you know, who is, who wants to throw the ball, who wants to be vertical. Um, and so I just can't give up on it. It's a great matchup. There's a great talent. There's a head coach that wants to throw the ball. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. It's going to happen for Jameis Winston. I mean, he's, he's been good in fantasy in the past. This is the best situation I think he's ever had. And so maybe it's just a growing pains with a new coach, a new system, but I expect things to take hold and I'm not going to, you know, given all the things I've just said, I'm not going to shy away from a matchup against the giants. Yeah. This this really what it comes down to the fact that he's low in QB one and not High end QB one is really the testament of how bad he's been for the first two weeks. So, if he doesn't get it right this week, it's full. Just drop him. Don't even waste your time. Don't even think about it. Even if he has a bounce back game somewhere else, it's kind of it's over. But the good news is, they're, they're, for anybody that has him, even in a super flex, they're not going to stop using him. They're not turning to Blaine Gabbard. But <laughs> it's the Giants' defense and the worst rated corner so far in the NFL is rookie DeAndre Baker, who has a twenty five 
pro football focus grade so far through the first two games. 25 out of 100. That is the worst score I think I've ever seen in the history of pro football focus scores for a corner. Uh, this is this is a good and game. And they talked about him being a steal in the draft. I know. I so Chris Godwin, <laughs> Mike Evans. This should be a nice bounce back for Mike Evans, too. That's why I'm trying to buy a low on, every, on him everywhere. If Jameis Winston can't do it against the Giants, it's not going to happen. And the best part about it is the Giants don't have a pass rush to get him under pressure anyway. Yeah, we'll hit one more Buccaneer who's making people very nervous uh, when we get to the tight end position. But Jameis Winston, a nice play this week. Uh, 27.25 implied total for the Buccaneers and the Giants. Been torched by Dak Prescott and Josh Allen the first two weeks. Feels like Jameis should be able to get himself on track. Kirk Cousins has had himself an interesting season to this point. Ten pass attempts in a win over the Falcons in week one. Got up to 32 attempts in a 21-16 loss at the Packers last week. Uh, Vikings return home. Big favorites against the Raiders. Depends on where you look, but anywhere between 7.5 and 8.5 point favorites are the Vikings. An implied team total of 25. Jake, you've got a little bit more confidence at QB 12, but Brandon, down at QB 18, so you were just – not feeling Kirk Cousins, even with the uh, Vikings, excuse me, big favorites back home this week. You know, you want me to start on this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I why just, do you hate Kirk Cousins? <laughs> because Minnesota's running almost 60% of the time, and they, they really like to run the ball. Um, and you look at Kevin Stefanski, the last four games, uh, Cousins never got over 33 pass attempts. I mean, it's just the world they're living in right now is, is the ceiling has become so low. It's not a terrible matchup against Oakland. I can see him having some success in the passing game, but I also see them running the ball. Okay. Against Oakland as well. And if they can do that, they're going to do that first and foremost. And so uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting on him. You know, we've talked all along, even with all the injuries at the quarterback position, still a deep pool. And so when you get into those mid teens, um, you know, I'm, I'm scratching for upside. If I see a guy like Kirk Cousins, I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe in this, this world he's in, he can get to 250 and two touchdown passes. But I kind of feel like that's where he's at. Gone are like he's going off for 300 yards and three touchdown passes. And that's what I, I want there to be some glimmer of hope of that if I'm going to rank a guy top 12. Oh, <laughs> uh, fair enough. I mean, well, the truth is here is look, it's Adam Thielen and Stefan Dex have been supremely disappointing so far. And they've been a run heavy team. Uh, I think that this is just more matchup based than anything else. And again, maybe it's a little bit high as today. Maybe you'll slide back a little bit. But the Raiders defense is not one that I worry about. And I think the Raiders have enough talent. I mean, they're not, you know, loaded but between Tyrell Williams Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller again two of them have to be healthy and Jacobs and uh, Tyrell Williams but if they all are I think they have enough to push the Vikings defense to not be able to sit back and just grind out a clock with a 24 to 7 win or something like that so that's more what I'm banking on now I'll probably like I said if Tyrell Williams is still nursing his hip injury on Friday and Josh Jacobs sounds less than 100%, then there's nothing on the Raiders that's even going to threaten the Vikings. So that might pull me back to a run-focused game. So check on Friday. Check the link. Hashtag check the link. Yeah check the, yeah, check the link. Always a good thing to do. Could have a uh, repeat of that week one game where they just completely uh, controlled throughout against Atlanta if Jacobs and or Williams are still uh, at less than 100% or unable to play on Sunday. Sunday night football, I think we should get ourselves a good one. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams go to Cleveland to take on the Browns. You guys are identical on Jared Goff, QB 13. Jake on Baker, you have QB 15. And Brandon, you have QB 10. So, Jake, I'm going to have you make the Goff case. Uh, what's the deal with Jared no. Goff this week? 26. <laughs> yeah, you, take, you take Goff, Jake. Yeah, no. Take, yeah, no, no, no. no. You, I'm the host here. You take Goff. You make the case, uh, whether it's for or against. How do you feel about Jared Goff, I suppose, going into this game against the Browns? A very high uh, over-under in this game. 50 and a half points expected from the odds makers between the Rams and the Browns on Sunday night. I don't want to make the case for Jared Goff. I don't ever right, make the case for Jared Goff. <laughs> no, there's no case to be made. Jared Goff is fine. Jared Goff is always going to be fine because he's got the best trio of wide receivers outside of probably New England, if depending on all of them are playing. Uh, it's, it's what? Look, it's Jared Goff. He throws to the three of them. He's got Todd Gurley in the backfield. It's a game that should push the score. The Cleveland Browns defense hasn't been as good as everybody expected. The Cleveland Browns haven't been as good as they expected for the first two games so far. I think that's just good. That's where Jared Goff is always going to be. He's going to always going to be in the 12 to 15 range for me. He's never probably going to be top 10, even in the best matchup, just because Jared Goff has always got his own Jared Goff issues. And I say that's why I don't want to make the case for him is because he still struggles to make his own adjustments and reads. If Sean McVay isn't helping him still this year. 
I'm making the case for Baker Mayfield. I don't know if I can. Like, I'm looking at my QB 10 ranking and and second guessing myself based upon, uh, you know, the visual evidence from last time out, which I thought he looked off the mark a lot. He doesn't look like he's found a rhythm. I think he's what one touchdown pass in each game, but uh, he is at home. It's a big spotlight game, you know, and I just, I expect him to be better. And, um, so maybe I'm a little bit high on Baker Mayfield. Maybe he should be more in that Goff kind of QB 13 range. I think this is, I think Goff and Mayfield are a good kind of comp for this week as a, a, a nice job, Michael, for pitting these guys against each other. Cause I think they're right in that same neighborhood. I'm not super excited about Mayfield. I'm excited about the scoring potential in this game. And so uh, I ranked Mayfield higher than Goff because, um, He's at home and Goff's been terrible on the road. I mean, he's just been terrible. You can go back from the beginning of last season. He just hasn't been good on the road. So um, until that narrative changes, I'm harder to hear McVay when the crowd's yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. There you go. Yeah, hoping for a fun one, though, on Sunday night with these two teams getting together. Even though neither Goff nor Mayfield has lived up to the billing quite yet this season, still a ton of talent on both of these offenses. That's reflected in that over-under that we mentioned, 50.5 points with the Rams favored by three in Cleveland. Um, we got a couple of rookie uh, quarterbacks I want to talk about here. Probably not starting them in one QB leagues, but I still want to get your guys' thoughts on them. Jake, since I so maliciously forced you, to take Jared Goff. I'll let you choose here. You can either go with Mason Rudolph or Teddy Bridgewater. Pick whichever one you want to talk about. Brandon, you take the other one. <laughs> I'll leave him with the Saints. Uh, just That seems like the easy yeah. one anyway. Now, the, the truth about Mason Rudolph is we can get excited for the fact that, look, this team obviously thinks they're still a playoff contender with him at quarterback because they made a trade of their first round pick for what they turned a corner into a safety. So they believe that Mason Rudolph has the numbers. And I know like Brandon texted me, he's like, I'm surprised you held back and didn't mention them. I threw them in there anyway, because I wasn't going to, but I threw in the numbers after he said so, because the three years of him playing with James Washington were absurd. James Washington had about a third of his yardage and about a 40th percentile of his touchdowns it was ridiculous how much they connected in college and they played three years together so it opens the door for James Washington but also gives somebody that Mason Rudolph is already comfortable with and you're talking about one of the best offensive lines in the league and if you want a rookie quarterback to get comfortable quick give him some time in the pocket where the the biggest issue and this is something that D'Angelo Williams said on the show that we talked about is the biggest issue young quarterbacks have is they don't usually have a good comfort level of getting to the third and fourth reads. They're usually one, two and done. Maybe a lot of times one and done. And the biggest issue with Daniel Jones is coming out of college is like 70, 75% of his passes were first reads. Like that's a whole nother issue for that. We're not even talking about him. So the point of, if you want somebody to get comfortable, give them time in the pocket. And if you're talking about a team that can do that is the Steelers offensive line. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really dislike Mason Rudolph. I actually like him long-term. I think he'll be a decent quarterback. I just, you know, it's his first start on the road. San Francisco has been a good defense. I kind of just hold him back on him a little bit for this one, but Teddy Bridgewater, you're right, Jake. I think this one's easy because I, I just, I've never been as big a fan as the kind of public opinion on him. I, I think he has a slow release. I think he's a game manager. I think he's in the Alex Smith mold and he's in a good offense with a good, coach you know under sean payton but they're already talking about he's not going to reveal whether he's going to bring uh start Taysom hill or teddy bridgewater i think that's telling and i actually think that sean payton's gonna gonna finally be able to turn his inner Taysom hill you know uh love fest into something this week i think he's gonna have all kinds of fun mixing and matching these guys and doing weird things on offense with Taysom hill so i would not be surprised if we see a whole lot of him this week and so i'm i'm not at all excited about Teddy Bridgewater and I'd probably rank him lower if it wasn't the fact that Luke Falk is out there and Ryan Fitzpatrick who will likely get pulled at some point in the game is out there as well as starting quarterback so I had to put Bridgewater at 30. Yeah, you guys both higher on Rudolph than you are on Bridgewater this week. Uh, Rudolph and the Steelers at Pittsburgh, six and a half point underdogs. Bridgewater and the Saints at Seattle, four and a half point underdogs. Let's wrap up quarterbacks with someone to take a chance on. Brandon, you take it away first here. I think Jimmy G is looking better. His receiving core is looking better. And I, I think you can throw on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick's, uh, you know, presence there now, even, even with him being there playing safety. Uh, I think this is a, a good opportunity for Jimmy G. I have him ranked 16th. So if you need a quarterback this week, uh, not a bad way to go on someone who might be on the waiver wire. 
Yeah, I'm going to pull straight from my article. So Josh Allen, everybody. No, look, I've said Josh <laughs> Allen every single week. So even in the article, I said I can't use him again, even though I put him there at the top. We already talked about Jameis Winston. So I, I, that was the one that I had in the column. So I'll go one more. We just talked about him. If you're in a super flex, take a chance on Mason Rudolph. I mean, legitimately take a chance on Mason Rudolph. It, it super flex leagues. But I mean, how many quarterbacks have we talked about so far where we're really talking about in a single quarterback mm-hmm. league? Unless you're desperate and you just didn't draft anybody to begin with and only drafted Cam Newton. I mean, your options might only be Mason Rudolph at this point. Yeah, Cam Newton not officially ruled out, at least last I saw, but certainly sounds like he is all intents and purposes. Yeah, he is basically not going. They're already talking about maybe not Week Four. That kind of to me sounds like, yeah, he's probably not playing. Right, right, yeah, definitely. So uh, it's uh, another big name on the shelf here at the quarterback position this week. Let's wrap it up, guys, with tight ends. Hinted at it before. What's happening with O.J. Howard? O.J. Howard owners uh, freaking out in mass. Uh, You guys have both dropped him down your rankings a little bit. Jake at nine, uh, Brandon at seven. Obviously, you're still playing this guy, but what should we be expecting from him this week? Jake, we'll start with you. Yeah, so the biggest problem is the usage so far. Uh, Another thing we've talked about before in our pod is that the snap count's there. The problem is, is that fewer than 50% of his snaps are passing routes. He's staying in line to block. That's the problem. Bruce Arians turned him into a blocking tight end. Credit to OJ Howard. And this isn't like, look at me, because I did not think this was going to happen this year. But one of the things when he first came out is something I said, and this is stuff that we have to remember is why it's a concern going forward. When OJ Howard came out of college, I said, don't expect a lot as a rookie because OJ Howard is by far the superior pass blocker to Cameron Brait. And out of coming out of college at that point, Cameron Brait was still the better receiver. Similar to how good Gronkowski is in all aspects of the game. The reason Gronkowski and TJ Hawkinson and guys like that are valuable is because they can stay on the field every single play. Well, OJ Howard, because he's such a good pass blocker and Cameron Brait can't really pass block to his level. Bruce Arians made the decision. We're going to use him to block a lot. We get too much pressure on Jameis Winston and OJ Howard. Guess what? You're not even going to run routes half the time. That's a problem going forward. So I say all that because the Giants don't get pressure on quarterbacks. They have a terrible pass defense. This is a game that he could definitively bounce back and get you that value where you immediately, all that said, turn around and sell high because Anytime they're in a matchup where there's some pressure after the quarterback, you have to be concerned that Arians is not going to use them in passing routes enough. Yeah, I, I will echo all of that. And, you know, if you talk about the Giants, I mean, Bruce Arians said it himself. We don't dictate who gets the ball. The defense does. Well, OK, if we're going to go off of that. Then we should expect O.J. Howard <laughs> to get the ball this week, because as Jake mentioned, they don't pressure the quarterback. <laughs> They've been giving up points to the tight end. And I also like the where there's smoke, there's fire. I think. The talk about, you know, with Bruce Arians saying the balls will come for him and, you know, with Bruce Arians calling him out this week, I think O.J. Howard gets I think he gets a little bit of the spotlight this week. I think it's going to happen. So uh, I believe in the talent. I mean, that's that's evident. He's made from central casting when it comes to, you know, the prototype tight end. So um but yeah, I, Jake, Jake's right too, that he's a good blocker. He's guys out there all the time, but because he can block so well, uh, a lot of times he gets stuck doing that um, into the detriment of his fantasy numbers. But I think this is a week uh, where the matchup dictates that he's going to be someone that's going to do something in the passing game. Results haven't been there for this Tampa passing game just yet, but as you guys have uh, mentioned multiple times, uh, if it's going to happen, it should happen this week. Can't really get better than a matchup with the New York Giants as we've seen through the first two weeks of the season. Fans McDonald showed up for fantasy owners with Mason Rudolph uh, uh, taking over for Ben Roethlisberger last week, got seven targets, caught all of them, turned it into just 38 yards, but put two touchdowns on the board. Uh, Vance McDonald, tight end 13 for Jake, tight end eight for Brandon. Brandon, is this a is this a Mason Rudolph effect? Is this just a, a water finding his level effect? What has you having McDonald back in the top 10? Yeah, it's just also the the same thing that we kind of were looking at with Pittsburgh going into the seasons. Who's going to catch passes? And so far, it hasn't been James Washington or Dante Moncrief. Juju Smith's trying. Juju Smith-Schuster's trying. Um, but we saw immediate results with Rudolph and McDonald. Two touchdown passes right away. He was looking at him in the red zone. So uh, my tight end eight is is the fact that, yeah, they looked good last week. The fact that there's opportunity still here uh, against Pittsburgh. And the fact that San Francisco is putting up a lot of points. And this isn't a great Pittsburgh defense. And I expect San Francisco is probably going to put up a lot of points again. And I expect that means Pittsburgh's going to have to throw the ball a decent amount. So, uh, you know, you look at a lot of the tight ends. I don't think 
very minimum can make the case that Vance McDonald can make uh, for top 10 status. And so uh, I'm going to double down on him this week. Uh, I think there's a good chance he finds the end zone. Yeah, there's a good chance. And, you know, it's really we're already getting to the point where this year looks like a bounce back season for tight ends, but there's still a clear drop off. You only can get about 12 or 13 deep before you run into issues because that TJ Hawkinson excitement went right out the window because it's a rookie tight end and it's all about usage, not going to be consistent. There's very few that even if it's Rudolph or Ben Roethlisberger, whoever the quarterback is, Vance McDonald is getting some use. I'm not quite as high just because. I'm a little tentative of knowing who Rudolph is going to go to, despite the fact he did see him a lot in that game. I just don't know that carries over because it's hard to always put too much weight into a game where a quarterback comes in midway. So I don't have a problem with eight. I mean, eight to 13, a tight end also. I mean, we're probably, when you're talking about the projections to go back to that, probably fewer than two points of a gap difference. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, right, exactly. Um, so Vance McDonald, uh, someone to consider certainly with the Steelers uh, in potentially a high-scoring game uh, against the 49ers, depending on what Mason Rudolph can do in his uh, first start this season. Uh, one more guy I want to talk about, probably not someone a lot of people are going to be starting, but just an interesting start to his comeback season. It's Jason Witten, seven catches on eight targets for 40 yards and two touchdowns, a touchdown uh, in each of the first two games of the year. Uh, you both have him outside that tight end one class. Jake at tight end 16, Brandon at tight end 15 for the C for the week. Excuse me. Uh, Jake, what's the realistic best case scenario you think for Jason Witten this season? Is he basically a touchdown or bust kind of guy? And pretty much because you look at the yardage, it's, it's just not there. And Nando wrote in the article of the interesting stats is that he's top five so far in the uses in the red zone or for the receiving side of things. But I mean, are you going to try and bank and hopefully he gets a touchdown every single week? I, look, the truth is we joke about it, and one touchdown for a tight end, even if it's on one yard, probably has you as a tight end one for the week. So all he needs is the touchdown, but I don't think we're going to assume he's going to have 16 touchdowns on the year. Well, actually 17. Well, look, did, did he score two and one? No, he's got one in each game. Yeah, that was Blake game. Jarwin that had the other one. So like I said, we're not expecting 16 touchdowns. So I think – Tight end, mid tight end two, high end tight end two is a worthy spot to put him. You're, I mean, if you're going to shoot for upside, it's similar to the to, who else? Tyler Eifert's of the world, but at least Jason Wynn's getting a little bit more used to Tyler Eifert is. Yeah, I think this is all about touchdown upside. I, I, you know, I think in any given week, his ceiling's about 30 receiving yards. And it's, I think Jake and I are both saying, well, you know what? It's Miami. There's probably a reasonable half touchdown projection here. Uh, you know, throw in a few yards and you got a tight end 15. Like, uh, he's going to have a better chance of scoring than most of the tight ends this week. Yeah, 21 and a half point favorites are the Cowboys at home against the Dolphins this week. Two games where we got teams favored by more than three touchdowns. Uh, crazy what's already happening so far in this uh, 2019 football season. Last thing, guys, one more tight end to take a chance on. Brandon, uh, you get first wrap here. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go back to Will Disley. I mean, he's not a heavily targeted guy, but he's played six career games and he's been, uh, you know, a top 10 tight end in three of them, I want to say. And two of those games, one of them, he, you know, he ends up suffering a, a season ending knee injury. And the other one is him coming back from that season ending injury week one this season. So, um, they like him a lot. He fits this offense. He has good hands. Um, and, they have opportunities during the game where where he is a guy that they'll look to because uh, when you run like you do and you got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on the outside, you're going to get the defenses focusing and there's going to be opportunities. They know it and they will take their chances with him in those opportunities. So not going to be a heavily targeted guy, but I think there's always going to be a decent chance that he has a shot at the end zone or uh, picks up some chunk yards down the middle a couple times a game. Yeah, that's a fine one. I'm going to go a little bit higher, at least what I feel in the rankings is Greg Olson, even with Kyle Allen quarterback, because it's the second it's granted. It's just one ahead of Curtis Samuel, but he's the second leading target option on this team so far. And so you look at Greg Olson and the usage and he's bounced back career this late in his career. But the point being is go back to what I said about Daniel Jones and the young and experienced quarterbacks, which Kyle Allen is not a rookie, but inexperienced. 
And the fact that first and second reads, well, Curtis Samuel is probably the third read. It's probably going to be DJ Moore and Greg Olson. So if you want to get those quick reads out there and get some comfort level and what has been reliable so far, the only, the really reliable part outside of DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey has been Olson. So I think Olson's a fine option at this point where he's maybe even in the tight end one conversation. Yeah, even oh, with- by the by the way, let's just let's make it clear. I I clearly have Greg Olson ahead of Will Disley. I have Olson <laughs> no, you don't. like ten, 10 this week. Like Arizona's given up two hundred and seventy three yards and three touchdowns to tight ends. So yeah, there's that as well. No, yeah. you hate Greg Olson. You love Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah, you were you were saying yeah yeah right. You were saying that before we even started the show. How much you how right. how anti Greg Olson you are. I hate it. I hate Greg Olson. I hated He Man. Uh, you know, like just that, just that, you know, that Adonis blonde look. I just I don't care can't, for. Can't stand it. <laughs> uh, a few injuries that we want to keep an eye on as the uh, week progresses at this position. Mark Andrews dealing with a foot injury doesn't sound too uh, uh, alarming just yet. David Njoku has a concussion from last week. Jordan Reed still trying to make his way back from a concussion. Does sound like Reed is going to be able to suit it up for Washington uh, this week. However, that is a Monday night football game against the Bears. So something to keep in mind if you were thinking about deploying Reed in week three. That is going to do it for us on the uh, Athletics Fantasy Football Ranking Show for Week 3. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. Again, uh, if you're listening to this for free on iTunes, Spotify, what have you, you can get 40% off a subscription right now if you go to theathletic.com slash the ranking show. That'll give you uh, access to everything, including our subscribers-only update to the ranking show on Fridays with me and Derek Van Riper. You can follow Jake on Twitter at AllInKid. You can also get his great rankings column right now by checking the link. You can follow Brandon at Brandon. Bunston. So go ahead, do that. You can get me at M. Beller. Thank you again for joining us. Hope you liked it. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it helps you set your lineups and get a win this week. Until next week on The Rankings Show, we'll see you then. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hey, listeners, we're excited to share some big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that we know you're going to love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. Check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read the stories that are featured on The Lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.